You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to the program. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. If you've got questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, you name it, we'll tackle it here on the air. All you have to do is pick up the phone and give me a call. All right, let's get to it. We're going to get to the calls in a little bit. A couple things I want to talk about today. One, boy, can I tell it's the new year, New Year's resolutions. And it's interesting this year because I'm right in the middle of studying willpower and habits. And both of those things have a real tie-in to New Year's resolutions. People are trying at this time of the year, they're, they're trying to create better habits. I mean, almost all New Year's resolutions are about habits. Stop smoking, eat better, exercise more, uh, budget your money, get your finances in order. Those are the typical New Year's resolutions. We're trying to do something to make us better, make our life better, make our environment better. And the vast majority of people fail. I mean, surveys show over 90% failure on New Year's resolutions. And I can start to really understand why with some of this new research that I've been working on. And here's the other problem. I I would encourage you to not make New Year's resolutions because one of the things I'm finding is when you make the resolution and you do it wrong, which is the way most people do, and you fail, which the odds are that you will, you actually decrease the chances that you'll get it right. So when you try and fail, we've always believed, well, just keep trying. That might not be the best advice anymore. We know things that we didn't know before. Uh, Some of the new brain research that is out there is absolutely amazing. Things they're able to learn with new scanning technologies about what's happening in the brain. And trying over and over and over and failing you know, sounded like a good idea. Just keep at it. But there are better ways. And and I'm working on that. I don't have everything worked out right now, but just some really interesting research right now into habits and willpower. And I've read a lot about habits. The, the willpower stuff, I'm reading my first book right now, really interesting new research. So one of the things I decided to do this month was stay away from the gym I've been through this enough years to know the gym is a disaster in January because everybody signs up and starts going. And the first couple weeks, they do really well because they're just white knuckling it. They're just forcing themselves through sheer willpower to go. What I'm learning, though, is that you only have a limited amount of willpower. It's not an un ending source. It's like physical energy. You only have physical, so much physical energy. Now you might think that you want to walk five miles tomorrow, 
But if your body isn't in the right condition, you could physically run out of energy and not be able to go any further. Willpower is the same way. You run out of willpower. Now, that's something we've never understood before. But just like training your body to have more physical energy, we can train our body to have more willpower over time. But there's a very clear way we have to do it. Just like exercise, there are better ways of exercising that are more effective. There are ways to train your willpower that are more effective. What's happened is our lifestyle has done just the opposite. When you look at our current lifestyle, it depletes our willpower and it depletes our ability to build up our willpower. So you have to do something different than what most people are doing because what most people are doing isn't working. The other interesting thing I see, we live in a very small town and I live way up on like the biggest hill in town. It's a very small town too. Um, So I've seen all kinds of people walking up here in the last week that I've never seen before. My office looks right out on the street. So I see everybody that walks by lots and lots of people walking. It's good. At least they're trying, but we're learning that maybe that trying isn't so good unless we do it right. And I'm going to be putting together uh, a program about that in the next couple of months. And I'm going to be recommending some books and we'll be reading and uh, reviewing the books on our new podcast, The Road Scholar. So that's kind of going to be my push for the next 30 days or so. Since I'm not going to the gym, but I, I still want to stay active myself, uh, I have a treadmill at home. I, if you've seen the commercials for the X9 with the incline and all that stuff, it's a it's a really nice treadmill, but I love the technology of it. it it's got a built-in Android tablet that helps you with, you know, distance and keeping track of your workouts and calories burn and all that stuff like you normally see on a lot of exercise equipment. But it's also tied into a program called iFit and Google Maps. And the technology is absolutely amazing. If you've ever used Street View on Google Maps, where it literally takes you down to the street level and you can, you know, look around and see the the buildings and the landscape and in, you know, real pictures, video. The treadmill uses that technology and the company iFit has set up all kinds of different walks or runs or even bicycles if you use a stationary bicycle. So all this stuff is designed to be used with stationary gym equipment and you can walk literally all over the world, anywhere in the world if you want, because it also gives you the ability to draw your own map if you want. And the interesting thing about it is not only do you watch the video just like you were walking in that place and the video follows along with you, but the elevation changes the incline of the treadmill automatically. So if in that particular place in the real world, it's a 6% incline, the treadmill adjusts to a 6% incline or a 10% decline if you're going downhill. It literally follows the terrain and the video follows and you watch really amazing stuff. Right now, uh, for the next 12 days, I am literally walking up Mount Fiji. 
unbelievable. So I didn't realize this, but to get to the top of Mount Fiji, you really don't have to do any climbing, like rock climbing. It's a path. You literally walk up. Now, it gets pretty steep at times, but it's still a path. I mean, you can walk upright. You don't have to climb or anything. And it's a 7,000-foot elevation gain uh, from the start of the trail to the finish. And Google obviously sent somebody out to this trail with a camera because there is a street-level view of the entire trail. Very cool, and it's going to take me 12 days. They broke it down into 12 workouts. And over those 12 days, I I didn't check to see how far I'm going to walk, but I will gain 7,000 feet in vertical elevation. So it's a pretty strenuous climb. I think today I hit, uh, I did about a mile and a half today. That was the second segment. And I think at one point I hit a 28% incline, which was pretty steep. Very cool workout though. And you can do that all over the world. So great use of technology. Since I'm staying away from the gym, I decided that will be my uh, exercise for January. And then we'll uh, probably get back to the gym. Speaking of getting back to things, let's get to some phone calls. Let's go to North Carolina. Bill, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. What can I help you with today? Well, Lisa gave you my oil sample. All right. And this is my very first ever oil sample. So I got kind of alarmed when I looked at it, but my fears have been uh, lessened by a few people on Facebook that looked at it with me. Good. Okay. And and I'll be able to eliminate your fears completely. Uh, okay. And, and let me make sure the mileages are all right. About 875,000 miles on the, the engine itself. Is that correct? That's, yes, that's correct. And 32,000 miles on the oil. That's correct. Now, one thing about that is there's about... 4,400 miles on the oil before I installed the OPS. Oh, interesting. Okay. Now, and here's the thing. I had to do an oil change because I had to get the old oil out of there, and I put new synthetic or semi-synthetic or 30 blend. Yeah. Nope. And then the... Go ahead. The OPS didn't show up till the following week. So. Got it. Okay. That's interesting. We're going to talk about that when I come back. So I'm going to get to a break. We're going to come back and talk about this oil sample so stick around i'm kevin rutherford welcome back i'm kevin rutherford the website let's truck.com i'm gonna get back to the phone calls i was talking with bill in north carolina bill so here's the thing uh, normally we would have the ops on the oil the whole time you had about four thousand miles without it not a big deal Normally, for a first sample, we would recommend 25,000 miles. You're at 32. Again, not a big deal, but both of those things put more stress on the oil than normal, and yet your sample is really, really good. So the okay. the one thing that we see, and I'll explain this, we see the base dropped considerably. I mean, your base probably started up around 10 or so, and we're down to 3.7, still not down to where it's right. critical. I mean, it's still doing its job. What that really tells us, um, it could be a couple of things. Could be that, well, did you add five gallons since the last, is that right? 
in yeah, between putting that oil in and sampling it, there was about five gallons because that was the first oil change with the 1030 synthetic blend. And some of that five gallons was putting the OPS on and adding Got that it. filter, okay. that type of stuff. So it on a normal, like it's definitely gone way down the oil usage. And okay. now it's probably about between eight and 8,500 so, a gallon now. Okay. And the next oil sample will be a better indication of what is really going on. One of the things that happens when we put in that much oil because of, and I understand why, that just helps freshen up the oil. I mean, this, this sample looks right. super clean. I wouldn't expect the next one to be this clean, uh, but it might. Okay. Uh, this one, just uh, yeah, everything about this one is good. If we come even close to this on the next one, we'll be in great shape. So, you know, we've got... Okay. Um, one of the things I will want to watch on the next sample is soot. This is a Series 60 Detroit, very, very clean burning engine when they run right. And we would expect right. soot to be down under 0.5. If, if we get a pre-emission Detroit tuned right, running right, the soot should be low. Uh, a couple things that can increase that with this many miles on an engine could just be blow-by. Uh, two things happen with blow-by that can increase soot. One is we're getting oil from the crankcase up into the combustion chamber. That's the oil we're burning. And burning oil will increase soot. It's a much heavier petroleum product than fuel. doesn't burn as well. That can increase soot. But the other thing that increases soot is a diesel engine needs compression to burn the fuel. There's no spark. It's pure compression. And those compression okay. ratios are are very accurately figured out when the engine is designed and it, the compression right. ratio works with fuel and timing and all kinds of other things. As your rings wear out and we get more blow by, we have less compression and with less compression, we'll burn a little less of the fuel. And that's where the soot comes from. So it's hard to tell because this wasn't, you know, a perfect sample as far as timing and some other things, but that's what we're going to want to watch next. If that soot's okay. high, we'll start looking at things that could cause that. Uh, intake air, if we're getting, you know, if we have a dirty air filter, a leaking charger, cooler, that could do it. Exhaust restriction can do it. Timing can do it. There's another thing that can cause soot that we don't talk about a lot, but I have a feeling we're going to start talking about more. In fact, OPS just sent out an email about this. Um Poor fuel quality, microbes in the fuel, what we refer to as algae. Uh, okay. Any kind of growth in the fuel like that can cause soot and as I well. And I know I do. Right now I have asphaltine. At least that's what I've come back to diagnose it with. Okay. And I haven't gotten, I haven't gotten the, uh, the asphaltine additive yet to put in there. So I'll be getting that this weekend. Okay. So good sample, not it's a great start. I think the next one will be a little more accurate for us. So, uh, but you've got nothing to worry about. That's the good news. There's nothing on this trucker engine that needs to be addressed right now. Okay. Excellent. And on another note, my girlfriend is one of these people that just hit the gym this week. She just joined a boot camp. That's a six week boot camp. So she's going to be having fun with that. You know, one of the smart things that she did um, is join an organized rather than just say, I'm going to go to the gym every day. She joined a boot camp with a right. schedule and 
there's some accountability there, you know, so it's yeah. one more way to get you there. If I could exactly. help her with anything right now, it would the the one thing I've learned that I've done wrong so many times is that I was inconsistent in the beginning, not realizing how critical it was in the beginning, what they call the loading stage of changing a habit. So there's actually two stages. There's the loading stage where they recommend you actually go to some extremes to to make sure that you stick to this. And they, they recommend not even missing a single day during your loading right. phase. And the loading phase for some habits could be up to two months long. But what they're finding oh, wow. is that just missing single days during that loading phase can derail you completely. And I look around at my experience and other people I watch and I think, I've never been that consistent. I, I mean, I, I've been, I think that if I can get to the gym four times a week in the beginning, that that's being really consistent. And right. I, I've had a hard time getting started again over the last couple of years. I go in fits and spurts and I, I, what I'm learning is that that loading phase is so critical and that's where people fail. They don't push through hard enough in that first 30 to 90 days, the habit falls apart and they're right back to where they were. Yeah. And I'm going to try to do the same thing. I'm, I mean, I'm just running in the truck, but I've started out pretty good this week and haven't missed a day yet. So I just got to keep, Excellent. like you were saying the other day over the weekend, even if you only go out and run for 10 or 15 minutes, just to do it that day, that's yeah. what I'm going to try to do. If I get hung up somewhere. Excellent. Let me, let me, I'm glad you brought this up because there's something else I was reading today. Very, very interesting about exercise. Again, I, I think some of our advice and I've given this advice in the past has just been wrong, but it was the best information we had at the time. You know, there's kind of a rule of thumb that in order for exercise to give you any real benefit, the idea was you had to get your heart rate up to the target rate, and that changes the pace depending on your age and some other factors. But you had to get your heart rate up into the target range and maintain it for 20 minutes. That, that was what they told us was the minimum exercise that would give you a benefit. That is absolutely false. Here is the really interesting thing about the new research, and this bodes really well for truck drivers. Five minutes of activity has a clear benefit. Even better if you can do that five minutes of activity outdoors. Even if you just step outside the truck for five minutes. And here's a way you could do this as a truck driver. It, it wouldn't change your day much. I think it would change your life tremendously. Why not every time you stop the truck, whether it's at a scale, a rest area, a truck stop, a parking lot, whatever it is, every time you stop, just walk for five minutes. It, you know, walk around the truck stop two times before you walk in. Walk around the rest area two times before you get back in your truck. Five minutes every time you stop won't change your day much. It will change your life. Interesting new uh, research, like I say, it's, that's really beneficial to truck drivers. You don't have to do a ton of physical exertion. Get outside, get a little active. Meditation is something else I'm going to be talking about a lot coming up as well. Let's go to uh, Michigan. Jeff, welcome to the program. 
Hi, Kevin. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, got a couple questions. Longtime fan of yours, and I'm also a total Dave Ramsey fan. So, kind of gives you an idea where my mindset is of paying debt off completely. You know, it, it's, well, it, hold on real quick. I hate to interrupt you, but you just brought up something else I wanted to talk about today, which I'm going to after I'm done with you. And that's Dave Ramsey's concept of baby steps and momentum. Uh, I, I think Dave was an absolute genius when he developed his system. He's proven it over decades and hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people by now who've used his material. But that concept of baby steps and momentum, we could apply so well to so many other things. I, I'm going to talk more about that. So go ahead. Well, uh, going on that, I've, I've become quite the psychopath about paying bills off. And I had the chance uh, about two years ago to buy a small pizza restaurant in my hometown because the franchise was going under. Bought it at a good price, turned the business around, and uh, went from store generating 117000 a year to now it's doing over 422000 by just good business practice. Wow. Hey, hold, well, that, hold that thought. I've got to get to a break. I love that. We're going to come right back to that, so don't go away. Check out the website. It's letstruck.com. If you need to call us for anything, please do. We're here to help. 855-800-FUEL. 855-800-3835. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. I'm going to get right back to... What am I doing? Uh, Did I lose... Oh, I think I lost that call. Uh, well, let's get back to the phones. Let's go to Michigan. Jeff, welcome to the program. Hi, hi Kevin. We were talking about the, uh, I had a little restaurant that's oh, doing yeah, well there you go. in that's Michigan right. there. That's right. We were talking uh, about Dave Ramsey. Go ahead with the restaurant. I love that story, by the way. Well, I've used some of your accounting practices to clear up all the jargon that goes on in the store, and at the same time, I've listening to Dave Ramsey and his entree leadership, which I'd like you to put out there to, for a book to listen to, has also helped me as far as personal relationships as far as on the road as well. So that might be a book for someone to look into or an audio CD for someone to listen to that wants to become an owner-operator because it's helped me with boundaries and how to deal with people in bad situations. Uh, but to make a, a long story longer, I'm still driving truck as an owner-operator. Uh, my operating costs are about 30%. This year, I'm, uh, I've made $178,000 to the truck. Uh, truck's paid off. Uh, just made the last payment. And I'm on a schedule for next year to make 220 in the truck, and the store's going to have to move in order to grow to a possible 600000 Now, what scares me is I was looking at... Uh, the, our Obamacare and hoping that it would be a, a house of cards to fold in on itself. When I got the quote, because they based it off my gross income, it was astronomical. I wasn't going to pay a thousand dollars a month for health care coverage. Well, now I'm being told that it's possible that I'm going to get penalized two percent, and this year I'm looking at growth in over six hundred and twenty thousand dollars. I'm scared. That I got to pay a twelve thousand dollar fine to 
the U.S. government for Obamacare. Am I no, well, getting bad information? You are, because the fine is not based on gross business income. It's on it, it's on okay. taxable income, from, and the fine is actually calculated at the end of the year as part of your income tax return. Okay, because that leads me into, if it was, do I need to escort these businesses and just start drawing a paycheck because my total debt ratio right now, complete house, everything, is under $70,000, yet I'm generating 10 times that amount. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. When it comes to Obamacare and income, all that determines is subsidies, whether or not you're going to get help from the government. I can promise you, you're not going to. You're not even going to be close right. to getting any kind of subsidies. <laughs> so what? Shucks. Yeah, exactly. So what? You, what it comes down to for you And this is where Obamacare is going to fall apart, but I believe that it was planned this way. I believe that it was planned to fall apart and fail so that we could then move to a single-payer system, which is what the the left and probably some parts of the right and and the moderates have wanted all along. They want a single-payer system, and – they knew they we would never vote in a single payer system as a country. It wouldn't have happened. I mean, look at what they had to do just to get Obamacare through. Not a single Republican right. signed on. Depending on whose surveys you believe, you know, most of America did not want this. But they they managed to squeak it through using crazy rules of law that nobody had ever used before. But they got it through. They, and, and I believe that their plan was just get it in place. It will fail. We can look at it and see it's going to fail. And then we can move to a single right. payer system. Here's why it's going to fail. You are a great example. It, the, you can't get a subsidy, which I'm okay with that. I don't, you know, but there's also not a good price available for you. Even though there's, they can't turn you down for pre-existing conditions, that's part of the problem. Because here's the plan people are going to have in this position. Why should I get health insurance? The penalty for not getting it is cheaper, and right. they, they can never turn me down. So why don't I just wait till I get some really bad disease and then sign up? But guess what? That's where I'm at. Exactly. And a lot of people are going to do that. They're going to pay the penalty instead. Guess what? The penalty goes to the federal government. The the, The penalty doesn't go to insurance companies. It goes to the federal government. Well, how does that help our healthcare system at all? It doesn't. Right. The people who control the healthcare system, the hospitals and the insurance companies get nothing from that penalty. What they get is they get the worst possible customer ever because you're not going to sign up until you have a disease that's going to cost several hundred if not millions of dollars and you haven't paid them in any premiums until you got sick i mean who right. could look at that system and think it could possibly succeed a liberal yeah so <laughs> you know it, it i'm you know as, as bad as the system is it is what it is and i don't blame people for saying i'm not paying that i'll pay the penalty instead i'll pay my own medical expenses out of my pocket until i can't afford it anymore and then i'll go get health insurance okay so that being said and obamacare is not uh, a non-issue for me at this point should i or should i not escort these business, these um, businesses 
because right now everything's been thrown in the kitty and yeah. whatever builds next paid off. Well, I am going to tell you they should be corporations, but it has nothing to do with health care or anything else. It, it, it's just purely because of taxes. You will be able to save okay. money on taxes by having these businesses incorporated. It doesn't change the status of your health care at all. Uh, it, okay. it, the rules for a sole proprietor or an S corp where the the owner owns more than two percent of the company. Now think about that. All you have to do is own more than two percent of an S corp, and then for most things like healthcare, retirement, you're treated as though you're a sole proprietor. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I thank you for your time. That clears it up. I'll be talking to my accountant this week then about changing things around for this this year. Yep. Uh, doing it as an S-corp or two different S-corps. Yep. Uh, under the same umbrella or I, I, I'll yeah. discuss yep. it with them. They'll give me the proper way to go, but Yep. Uh, yeah, again, Dave Ramsey, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm one to speak. Ten years ago, I was a half million dollars in red, upside down in a house, divorced, and uh, ten years later, it's I flipped the script, and it's just got to keep the faith and, as you say, do the hard work. Excellent. Great you stuff. Know? You know, one of the things that, that you just described, I've been in almost all those places you just talked about, way in debt you know, almost ready to file bankruptcy. You could kind of call it the curse of an entrepreneur. I have it. Most entrepreneurs I know have it. Even though I knew all about money management because I studied it for years, I was a really poor money manager. I still am in a lot of ways. Uh, Lisa handles most of our day-to-day finances because she's so much better at it than I am. The, the, I think one of the curses of the entrepreneur is we always feel like we can make more money. So we don't pay attention to our spending nearly as much as we should. And my attitude is, eh, don't worry about it. I can make more. I, I'm good at making money. So don't worry about how much we spend. But that, that's, a, that's a dangerous thought process. Uh, luckily, like I say, Lisa and I make a great team. She's very, very good at day-to-day money management. And I'm not. So she does that part, and things work really well that way. Let's go to South Carolina. Tim, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. What can I help you with today? I have a, about an engine problem. I have a 03 Volvo with the 450 ISX Cummins in it. And uh, I came home for the holidays. And truck was running perfect. I parked it and uh, left something on in the truck, and it ran my batteries down. So I had to jump it off to get it to crank up. Well, it didn't want to crank. It showed a code on the dash that said uh, engine power supply. So my local shop told me to clean my battery posts and all that. And I did all that, charged the battery up on a 6-amp charger for a couple of days. And then it finally cranked up. And uh, it ran perfect. I switched it off, let it set overnight. Went back the next day because I was getting ready to go out of town. Cranked it up, you know, just to make sure everything was good. And while it was running, it sputtered a couple of times and cut off. And it hasn't started back since. And it that one code doesn't show anymore. But now it says engine not... 
responding. All right, hold that thought. I've got a couple ideas. I don't have a definitive answer, but I've got a couple ideas. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. for tuning in to the audio road if you have any questions give us a call at 855-800-FUEL that's 855-800-3835 check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash let's truck